Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Julie. And together, we are Two Two Sober Chicks. Chicks. Welcome back. So in the last podcast, we were talking about an article that Julie read uh, trying to debunk the success of AA and uh, minimizing it with statistics and um, saying that it, it didn't work and there were many other methods there. So we talked a little bit about that. And we that also sound effect was Lisa launching a grenade at the sound of statistics. <laughs> <laughs> and we also talked about how if another method works for somebody else, we're absolutely thrilled and happy. Um, but for us, this is the method that worked. And then we were mentioning how one of the things that person who wrote that article in the, was it the Atlantic? Yes. The new, yeah, in the Atlantic, they missed um, the fact that um, even Dr. Uh, Carl Jung, the great psychiatrist, um, had a hand in the beginnings of AA because he worked with somebody who um, would later touch a life that would uh, be part of the beginnings of the formation of the group known as Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and it talks about it on page 26. If you want to read the story, it's in the big book in the section called There is a Solution. And it mentions Carl Jung on page 26. And here's what he said to that alcoholic who came back after he'd left treatment and went away and drank again after spending, I think it was six months, with um, psychiatrist Dr. Jung. And Dr. Jung had cured him, uh, had announced him cured, and he went, set him free on the world again. And the guy drank and then came back all deflated. And the doctor. Dr. Young said to him, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. And then he talked about, um, uh, the guy said, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena, otherwise known as change. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Uh, Then doesn't that perfectly sum up psychiatry and psychology? Yes. Right? We basically, we go in there, we learn about um, how we formed our habits, how we formed our coping mechanisms by sitting down and going through our past, our childhood discovering how we learned certain behaviors um and they we always talk about this too how there are coping mechanisms that we used because we needed them to survive and they worked for a while but then if it's a coping mechanism like alcoholism or drugs they stop working because they start to kill you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they start to mess with your life so anyway um yeah that whole section there is on page 26 and 27 if you want to read more about uh Dr. Carl Young and his experience with Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, and for those of you who don't know who Carl Young is, he, like, changed the face of psychiatry, and he loved Freud. He was an early supporter of Freud. And there's actually, I mean, you can Google him, but there's also at aa.org um, a, how Carl Young and Alcoholics Anonymous sort of, or how Carl Young and Alcoholics Anonymous came to be associated with each other. And on that page at aa.org, it's under um, an archive. So it's a magazine called Markings. And it's volume 33, number three, winter 2013. You can actually see the letter that Carl Young wrote to 
uh, Bill Wilson regarding AA and what eventually made it into the big book. So that's pretty that's cool. cool. Even if you just Google like Carl Jung big book, you'll come upon that um, PDF under your Google search. It'll say winter 2013, Dr. Carl Jung and Alcoholics Anonymous. That's amazing. I know. Um, I, and I by the way, AA Agnostica also refers back to that letter. Right? Because mm-hmm. they, they, they believe more in the uh, in emotional rearrangement, which is what Dr. Carl Jung talked about. Um, and I think that letter might also be mentioned in uh, Language of the Heart, which is an AA conference-approved literature um, letters that um, um, Bill Wilson wrote to, um, like, letters from his journals, letters that he wrote other people, the letters that he wrote which started the grapevine. That's a cool book to read, too. Yeah. And on page 27, it talks about what um, Carl Jung said was about the virtual, vital spiritual experiences. Um, They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and completely, a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. I love how easy they make that sound. (laughs) I can tell you that (laughs) that I did not just cast aside my old ideas, thinking and behavior overnight. <laughs> it's taken a lot of work. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, fourth and fifth steps, a lot of uh, ninth, you know, a lot of continued uh, daily step work, like step 10. So, um, yeah, but it's a, it was an interesting article and an interesting discussion. So thanks for bringing that up. What else did we want to talk about today? I would like to hear about... Um, your initial idea when we started talking this morning for a podcast, which was about um, your son's differing views on politics and how that's affecting your relationship right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and and this is again just another example of for me how AA and the principles and the spiritual process has helped changed my life because it's changed my relationships with people and how I am in relationship to the world. And when I was telling Julie about this earlier, one of the things I said was basically, I try not to behave like a, a, a child anymore. Um, I Because uh, my reaction to something like this in the past would have been to model the behavior that was modeled for me as a young person. You don't agree with me? You're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like what I have to say? Well, fuck you. And if you're not for you're me, I remember you telling you're, me that if you're not for me, you're against me was one of your yeah. mindsets. That's right. I think I used to say it with a little country hat. You're, if you're not for me, you're against me. <laughs> like a, <laughs> what were those two clans that used to feud all the time in the deep south? <laughs> if you're not for me, you're against me. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, my my son and I have, um, I work for an organization that can be um, politicized and often uh, gets painted in a very dark light in the media um, when what we're really trying to do is do good and to serve um, the community. And uh, my son uh, is, I guess, um, succumbing to all the things that he's seeing on the media and believing that we're the big bad and doesn't know how I can work for such an organization. One of the other things he said was he believes that um, everybody should be allowed CERB and we should all be on CERB. Um, do you know what CERB stands for again? 
It was a social assistance program set up by the Canadian government to help people who'd lost their jobs. Um, so we have unemployment insurance in Canada. I can't remember what CERB stands for, but it's a an assistance. Um, I just to googled help it, and it's like okay, it's ethnic group. The Serbs are a nation in South Slavic. I'm like, yeah, that's not it. I'll tell no, you that's right now because I'm googling it. It's like a yeah. I don't know what they call it in the states. Yeah, but it's that like money that the government's giving. Science and Engineering Research Board. No. Anyways. It C- it's C-E-R-B? That's probably it. Maybe. So yes. Me, for okay. Canadians unable for? to work due to COVID-19. So it's the Canada right. Emergency Response Benefit. There it is. So this is what our government, love it, came up with to help people out. Because a lot of people have been deeply uh, financially affected. Um, by the pandemic, not being able to go out, not being able to work, businesses are being restricted, um, and to help stop the spread. So um, a lot of people needed a little extra hand, more than just unemployment insurance. So they came up with CERB. And my son made this comment about how everybody should be getting CERB and they should just continue it forever. And, okay, let's be real. My son just graduated from university and has had one job in his life. Um, (laughs) changing changing beds at a motel so that was his first uh, experience at, at working um i've been on the planet a lot longer i think i've had like 25 or 30 different jobs in the course of my life's experience and and i said you do realize that the reason we're able to offer serb is because the people who work pay taxes <laughs> so <laughs> those taxes then help out the people who can't work so if everyone's staying home collecting CERB, who's being taxed? Who's mm-hmm. going to work? That was one of the things. But it was interesting because for the longest time, what I did during this conversation was I just listened. And um, and I wasn't even uh, giving any opposing thoughts or ideas. I was just listening. And I could, I could hear him getting ramped up. He was just ramped up about the whole situation, about life. Um, And for me, it was sad because it reminded me of myself in my younger days and how I always felt like the world was against me and that life was unfair and nothing was ever working out. And for me, my solution was alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, But but my kid doesn't drink. So it's like he's running running around even more hopeless than I was because he doesn't even have that. (laughs) He doesn't have any solution. (laughs) He doesn't believe in anything greater than himself. He doesn't believe in a higher power. Um... So it, it, it was just, it was one of those really sad conversations. And we live in different provinces. So it's like I just can't go over and just give him a hug and say, I understand. And all I can say is I'm here for you. Um, so I do that over the phone. I say, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way and I'm here for you. Um, but have you ever thought of like, well, the reason CERB exists is because people have to work. Mm-hmm. So there's taxes and people are taxed. And then we started talking about my place of employment and he's against that. And um, and he was saying all these things that uh, that weren't based on facts. And I said, you know, I happen to actually work for that organization, and I know what's going on because I've I've heard things. I've heard the actual phone calls, and I've listened to the tapes of the days and the events that you're talking about. And it didn't go down that way. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to tell you what happened? Mm-hmm. And then he said that I was brainwashed and. Um, <laughs> He couldn't believe that I was supporting the organization. And it was just like this really sad, um, it wasn't even a conversation. He just got angry and said, I can't talk to you anymore. 
and he ended up hanging up on me. Mm-hmm. So um, the old me um, would have been like, fine, fuck you. <laughs> because that was the response that I that was modeled for me. I would have just held out and held onto that grudge and not reached out and thought, until you apologize, you're either for me or you're against me. I'm not talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the childish, right? Yeah. Because I, if I was hurt in the past, then my response would be to um, make you feel hurt. I'm hurting. I want you to hurt like I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to cut you out because clearly we can't be in relation with each other because you're going to hurt me. So my response is then to run. Um, but today I realize, you know, my son loves me. This isn't coming um, from a place of love. It's coming from a place of fear. Um, he's probably feeling very scared about his future right now, as any uh, person who's just graduated university would be, mm-hmm. um, and is uncertain about his future and is very um, acting angrily out of fear. And it's not really about me. And it's not my job to defend the organization that I work for, and that's okay. And if he doesn't want to listen to my opinion, I'm not going to force him to listen to my opinion. Some people just want to believe what they want to believe, and they don't want to hear any uh, other thoughts or opposing ideas or viewpoints or facts. So what can I do about that? Today, with the program, I can accept that, and hope that we can find common ground. And it was one of our podcast listeners who gave me an idea. Thank you, Amanda. Hmm. If ever he answers my phone calls. So right now he's not answering my calls. So I send him just a little message of love, you know, thinking about you. Maybe we can have a chat and we'll try to avoid those two topics. And we'll talk about other things. But I just want you to know that I love you and I'm here for you. And this has gone on for three months now. Oh, my gosh. Finally, um, I got a response to my Thanksgiving wishes. Oh, I just good. Wished him, like, and and I got back. Uh, I love you too. So I'm like, oh yay! Oh <laughs> yeah, he still loves me. <laughs> He's alive. <laughs> you know. So, um, and um, my our friend Amanda said um, maybe the next time you have a conversation, try to point out um, this thing. And I thought this was brilliant. The things that you agree on. So here I was ah. focusing on what was important to me and um, the opposing facts because I thought, he's got it all wrong. He just doesn't have the facts. He needs to hear the facts. <laughs> so I'm going to tell him what I know because I was there. And um, he didn't want to hear that. Um, but what she said is what you can focus on are the things that you agree on. So it sounds like we both agree um, that people deserve um, some fundamental basic rights, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people really want to be heard and people deserve respect. That's what we agree on. So it was interesting. That was just a, a side, a sidebar, but I love that. So, yeah, the difference for me today is that I don't cut people out of my lives. Um, I try to, um, we have principles in AA. One of them is um, acceptance. Another one is tolerance. Um, I used to hate that word tolerance too, but um, I guess for me what it means today is, um, and, and I go back to you and I, Julie, um, having different beliefs about spirituality in a way. Um, yours is very defined, and mine's sort of loosey-goosey, <laughs> right? Would you agree? I wouldn't call yours loosey-goosey. I think yours is less, yours is less defined than mine is. 
Okay. Thank you. All right. So, um, but, and in the past, I wouldn't have been able to be friends with someone like you simply based on that one difference. Mm -hmm. And that's another great magnification of how AA has helped change my thinking and therefore my behavior and how I exist in relation to other people. Yeah. Just because there's something or be like um, political views. Uh, We went down to the States and we met Sarah's friend and found out that he had different political beliefs than we did. And over lunch, it was like, and then all of a sudden I thought, but look at why we're here. We're here Mm -hmm. because we've all survived (laughs) the great plague known as alcoholism. And that's what we need to focus on. And he's a really great guy and he struggled just like we did with this disease and that's why we're here. It doesn't matter that we think, you know, we have different political beliefs or ideologies and this is why um, we, we try to leave politics and religion out of Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous because we, we can't afford to be divided. Mm-hmm. That's we need right. to be a collective to love and support each other. So this is why we tend to not talk about those things. I mean, I remember we had a chat group and, uh, one of my sponsees put a photo of him with a protest placard in it. And I just wrote him privately not to embarrass him. And I said, hey, buddy, this is like for AA stuff. So if you could keep the political stuff out of it. And then he stopped talking in the chat group. And I talked to him privately again on the phone. And he said, well, you told me not to post anything political. I said, well, that doesn't mean you have to stop posting, period. Mm-hmm. You're taking it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a. I'm sure there's a group for that. If you want to talk about politics, go join a, a chat group on politics. But this is about spirituality and about how AA helps and and helps save your life and how it works for you and what you're struggling with today and how can AA help you with that? Yeah. So I monologued again, Julie. That's okay. I like. <laughs> I also like Amanda's advice. Um, of agreeing because I was on the phone with my brother yesterday and he was complaining about my parents as we often do Um, and I was like I agree with you he's like they shouldn't be this is a stupid move for them and I'm like I agree with you and then he's like you know they're they're not listening to anything I say and I'm like listen at the end of the day nobody listens to anyone else it's very rare we all do what we're going to do yeah and he's like yeah but and, but his take is they deserve the suffering they're getting because they didn't listen to him. And I'm like, that may be correct. Um, I mean, I don't believe anybody deserves to suffer. But yes, they may be experiencing consequences because they don't listen to you. But in the back of my head, I'm like, since when were you king of the world? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know yeah. more than them. They should be listening to them, to me. I'm like, they should be listening to you. But they're not because guess what? They're people and people do what they want. Like, it's very rare, I think, unless you're really devoted to personal growth, whether you're in the 12-step program or out of a 12-step program. Um, it's rare if you're outside of that to actually run decisions by people and ask their input or feedback or their experience or their wisdom. Like, we just don't do that a lot as a society. We've moved. It's one of my deep sadnesses about the world is we've moved out of collective and communities and into very much like I'm going to do what makes me happy, like ignoring the world and the impact we have on people. Like we raise people 
in our house with either ourselves or a nanny. It's not the community anymore that passes along wisdom and experience and old people aren't as revered anymore. Like it, it makes me really sad. But that's why I think our community is so important because we depend upon collective wisdom on a unifying way of doing something, which is our big book. Oh, yeah. And the article did call um, the article we talked about in the last podcast from The Atlantic about how a debunking AA, which is like a way to sell an article, but a really sad way to say mm. it doesn't work. And this is why um, you can't yeah. debunk something that's actually true. And what's true is we have recovered in the 12 step program. So that's yeah. all that's needed to know. But um, it talked about AA as like the Bible of AA. And I'm like, well, she got that right. It is our Bible. It yeah. is our Bible. It's the word. Bible. It's the it's word the of word. healing and recovery. Yeah, but a lot of people won't like the word, right? Because uh, for a lot of people, the word Bible means one thing. Yeah. Well, it's it been wielded as a weapon, men, right. much over the past, over our history, over the past two thousand years. It's been used as a weapon. Are Are you? Do you have access to look up something on your phone? I'm recording with my laptop, so yes. Uh, oh. Okay. Well, because I was thinking, look up the, the definition for the word Bible and see if it has other meanings other than religious. Okay. Because if it does, then that is a word, that is a term that we can use. But yeah, it's like we call it the big book. Don't you religious people call it the big book too? The Bible? Not that or I'm good, aware of. You call it the good book. Right? Good news or the good book. Yeah. The Bible the is a collection of religious texts or scriptures sacred to the Christians, Jews, Samaritans, Rastafari and others. OK, so it basically refers to a book of religious texts. Right. OK. Is there another meaning for it? I should probably not rely on Wikipedia. Uh, Webster's. <laughs> Webster's yeah. Dictionary. That's it. Let's go there. Miriam Webster, B I B L E. Because if it was just for the religious text, then I would say no. Then it's not our Bible. I would say that's why they called it the Big Book. Mm -hmm. It's similar. It's similar to a Bible, but it's not a Bible because it's not religious. There are two other definitions. One is obsolete, which was book. Uh -huh. um, I wonder what the original language was, and then. Um, a publication that is preeminent, especially in authoritativeness or wide readership. So like the Fisherman's Bible or the Bible of the entertainment industry. There. See? So then in that, using that um, definition, then yes, I would agree with the term uh, Bible. Yes. The definitive, what was it? Say it again. A publication definitive. that is preeminent, especially in authoritativeness or wide readership. And pre of pre definition of preeminent is having paramount rank, dignity, or importance. I love it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, then I would agree with that term. And this is the beauty <laughs> of the program and that Julie and I can, like, go back and forth on something and, and our feelings don't get hurt. Like, I... We talked about ease of relationship. You were telling me about um, your new relationship with your husband and how you have this uh, sense of ease and comfort, this easygoing relationship. 
And I always felt that, like when you and I and Sarah went on that road trip, Mm -hmm. it was like one of the easiest road trips I've ever had with a group of friends or anybody, even with girlfriends. Mm -hmm. When I would have new relationships, when we would go on a road trip, I'd be like, why do I always fight when I'm on a road trip Mm. with someone someone I love? But the three of us traveling together, it was like, I don't know, it was special. There's... So I don't know if that's a gift of the program or if just you get along, you have a sense of ease and comfort with certain people, but. Go to sleep, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I found the little meme I made of that the other day with someone wearing a CPAP machine. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's an inside joke from um, Sarah was just like obsessing over something. I don't even remember what it was. It was a job. It was like a job or something. And not hearing from somebody or calling and spinning out of control. Yeah. And, and we had a, a, she and I had a shared sponsee. And there was a time when he was spinning out of control. And he just was like a dog with a bone. And he wouldn't let something go. And uh, And I was visiting with him one night and it was just like non-stop he was pacing he was walking around the room he was debating something in his mind and he'd come to me for like a suggestion i'd give him a suggestion but he didn't like it <laughs> and so he'd just keep spinning so finally i said go to sleep patrick <laughs> so, so on this road trip same thing happened right yeah with sarah go yeah. ahead no that's it that's all i was gonna say i, I told the story what yeah Sarah oh. was spinning out of control, yeah. and I had a, well, that's it. I had the CPAP mask on. Yeah, because Lisa snores like a drunken wildebeest, like, <laughs> through, on her honeymoon, through the wall. I was like, holy shit, how does Ashley sleep? Like a goose being strangled slowly to death. Yep. I me. would say that's a, a good description of it. Yeah. Yep. And now I know anyone who's a really good listener who listens intently is going, wait a second. Did she say she heard Lisa and her wife, Ashley, on their honeymoon together? How did that happen? That's right. Julie was on our honeymoon. And we will not tell any of our secrets. For one night only. <laughs> oh, that's a good name for I should write a, a the next podcast should be that. One night only. <laughs> for one night only. Yeah. All right. right. I think it's a good place to stop. Yep. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. So fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, you listener. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we're happy to be together again. And and I will say, I'm sorry. It's it's all my fault, as you know. Julie has been ever faithful, keeping up with shot glass of recovery. Um, to try to give you something to listen to and I've just been uh, at work and things have been crazy and we haven't been able to get together physically so I finally succumbed to the phone-in idea. So I'm a phone-in guest today and I want to thank you for joining us on Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Maybe in a minute. Maybe in a minute. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Bye.